From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, the pain and misery of the floods earlier this year are still front and centre for many. How will the Resilient Homes Fund help? Ipswich Hospital funding in the crosshairs of three local mayors. Festival of Horsepower hits the right note and reminiscing about the former Jim Gardner pool in Limestone Park. Walter Williams and Ashley Mack join the show for our regular yarn over the back fence. It's Tuesday, June 21, 2022, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ashley Mack was born in Ipswich. He grew up in Ebervale and we're reassured it didn't affect him very much at all. He was the first voice on QFM in 1990. He is still a media tart and a small business owner. Welcome to the show, Ash. Mate, great to be here yet another month. Walter Williams has called Ipswich home for 31 years. Can you believe it? He's also a well-known voice on many TV and radio ads. He was previously heard on QFM, Star FM, River, 4BC, and who knows what other radio station. Welcome to the show, Walt. Hello, world. <laughs> yeah, the other hello world's getting on a bit. You're not that, you're not that old. <laughs> no, no, thank goodness. Let's start off with something serious, and we've touched on this before in the show because it is important, and we're talking about post-flood and the couple of floods we've had this year, the big flood in 2013, 2011, and the Queensland Reconstruction Authority is beginning assessments and reviewing all homes that were flooded. A mighty big job. But in the middle of all this, the government's announced combination between state and federal. They've announced the Resilient Homes Fund, where people can apply to either retrofit the home, raise their home, and a voluntary buyback in extreme cases. Now, what we're using you as a real live Ipswich example because you've been affected by mm. these floods. Have you applied? On oh, a, yes. Yes? Definitely, yeah. Um, when the second lot of flooding happened in this year, I, I went straight to the computer and went, right, I am signing on for this thing as the water's rising above the road. Um, so I've, I have registered my interest about this uh, $741 million Resilient Homes Fund. Funny we bring this up today because I had a knock at the door and my trusty guard dog, Maltese Shih Tzu, attacking the fireys who visited me just today. Uh, Stephen and Michael, thank you very much. They were just doing what, what they're doing at the moment. And this is the community recovery thing. Literally happened today. And they dropped some more info on my doorstep uh, about essential things that they can help people with. And and this is a terrific idea. So, so you're um, a real live example of all this. What was your experience like doing the application? Was it complicated? No, not even for this brain. Um, it, it only took me about 20 minutes. And that's what they kind of tell you at the beginning, you know keep 20 minutes spare and we'll do this together. The The problem I'm facing, and I'm probably not Robinson Crusoe on this, is a thing called insurance limbo, which is not a dance you want to do. No. Uh, we put in a claim back in February with Westpac Alliance, I'll name them and shame them. Uh, we've heard bugger all from them, and I'm sure other insurance companies uh, are doing the right thing, but some aren't, and they're just dragging their heels on this. So here we are, nearly four months later, 
and still nothing from our home and contents insurance recovery uh, well, from our insurer, and we pay big bucks for this privilege. So, did, so do you get a do you get a chance to log in and see where the claim is or anything like that? Have they they looked at the claim at all? They they've sent me an initial thing back in uh, February. I printed it up today, and it's um, you know that goes way back when, uh, and uh, and nothing's been done since. It was a yeah uh, March seventeen. It was the the last thing I had from them uh, and saying that they were passing it on to another mob and they just handballing this around. And I'm sure this is happening to a few people. Interesting. Well, actually, Ash, you had something to add? Well, the, with the insurance companies, sometimes you have to feel a bit sorry for them. I, I know this might be going mm. opposing view. <laughs> Not <but> really. <laughs> well, here's uh, Penny's car on the April Fool's Day. Yeah. Somebody went up the rear end of it. Now, normally when we have a car repair done, we, it's rare for it to take more than two or three weeks. This took two months. Mm. And the reason it took two months is, one, they couldn't get parts, two, they had no staff, and three, it went in with all the cars that were being taken away for the flood. Of course. Right. So there were literally hundreds of them. Mm. So I can sort of, their, their workload was huge. And when I'd ring them and say, like one point they did lose the car, but it was with all the flood cars, they said um, it just the sheer amount of vehicles they're going through mm. and, the sh- and just trying to find panel beaters. It's so yeah. hard at the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I can not... understand that earlier in the claims process, but we're nearly at four months in. Uh, and and they're telling me in this initial thing that they're going to wrap it up after four months. So uh, which way do I go? Because yeah. on one hand, I've got community recovery saying, we can help you, but we can't as long as we know you're insured. <laughs> And oh, you are, you are caught in the catch twenty two, right? Well, Walt, I don't know what to suggest, but getting back on the phone in a phone queue isn't the most appealing oh, thing to do. Funny, I was on the yeah. phone in a phone queue to the insurance company when these fireys turned up today to <laughs> hand out this gear. Maybe yeah. that's what you should say to them. Phone Let's- queue. Yes, something like that. <laughs> but look, uh, well, know, look, we all—I I think we're agreeing. We feel for you, Walt. I'm just it's, one of thousands. Yes. I know that. I understand that. Mm. And but it is difficult when you're you're dealing with mm. a situation where you've got no washing machine or no dryer and things like that. Yeah. Uh, fridge, blah blah. You know, it goes on. It's a long list. Talking flood though. Before we wrap on that, Riverheart. Yep. Two new barbecues came up this week at Riverheart. Thank goodness something is finally being done for the public in getting these parks back together. The cleanup has started, which is good because we've got the Spark After Dark Fest just around the corner in July. That's right. And, and, and the river is usually a focal point for this. Mm. Let's move on to something else, and I think there's good news in this. In fact, I'm sure there is. It's been a very, very long haul to get to this point, about 13 or 14 years. Finally, the first lot of new and relocated businesses in Nicholas Street are due to open by the end of this month. Great to see the construction fences are gone. Certainly makes it more welcoming. Walter, again, you're our CBD correspondent because you are the closest. What's your latest walkthrough reveal? Oh, it is good to see the fences have come down. Fantastic. What a great start that is for that 
part of uh, Ipswich. It needed it. Um, and it's been, like you say, a long haul. What, about 13 years? I think so. 2008, 2009, <laughs> I think, yeah. It's oh. crazy, yeah. isn't it? But it's good to see we are having businesses opening the the gelato shops open in the, in the mall now too. Um, I, things I'd like to see, and I'm sure Ash has got a list as well. I, I went to Red Bank Plaza the other night to see a movie that wasn't on, long story short. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you you, go, you got to read these apps right. But I noticed they've got a thing there called Hayadori, which is Korean chicken. I thought, wow, we could have that in Ipswich Centre. That'd be great. Or what about one of those Filipino eateries like the Jollibee that are very popular? Mm. Well, let's bring that to Oz and, and put it in Ipswich CBD because we've got a huge Filipino community in uh, our city. It's It's growing every day. Yes, indeed. Ash? I agree, bringing things there. Less of the franchises, though, and more of the individual operators who have a little, you know, who, who can do some creative things with food. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you get that, that, that rubber stamp, you know, cookie-cutter food system, yeah. you end up with the same old, same old. We need something that brings a little bit of specialty to that there so mm. it attracts people from out of town. The ones I mentioned aren't uh, everywhere at the moment. That's the thing. Right. That's why I think it would be nice to bring them in. But I understand what you're saying. Back to some serious stuff now. And Ipswich Hospital is in the news again for all the wrong reasons. And it's under the pump like uh, many hospitals. What do you make of the fact that three Westmorton mayors have joined forces to ramp up lobbying pressure for improvement and expansion. I'll go to you first, Ash. I have a, a pet um, thought about this, and that is that I believe we uh, we put too much stress on that. There are too many people who can afford to go to private, who are not who are going turning up at the the uh, the public hospitals. And the funny thing is, you hear about people going up there, right, and sitting for hours waiting for treatment. And then if their dog has an accident, they'll go and pay 600 bucks on the spot to go to, at a vet. We need a little bit more of pay your way with that sort of thing because if you use the emergency at St Andrews, it's brilliant, right? Yes, it is great. Right. We had to do that when Margie broke a wrist a couple of years ago. Go to St Andrews emergency. You know, I think it's about 150 bucks or something. Yep. It's really cheap. Yeah, it was good value. So you, you get the initial assessment in the private emergency and then, of course, you can make a decision if you're fit, about, if you're fit enough to make that decision uh, about, yeah, about where, where, you go. where you go from there. Okay, that's interesting. It's interesting also that a lot of, of uh, public work is being done in the private sector at the moment because yes. they're overloaded. And, and that began with the, in earnest at the beginning of COVID. I mean, there's always been arrangements between uh, the public system to... Uh, shunt people to the private system where mm. needed, but of course that's really ramped up uh, in, the, mm. in the period of COVID. There's no doubt about that. Look, we've mm. all had our own experiences with public hospitals. I've got to say mine have been generally good, except emergency can be a testing time. And as the pressure mounts, it's obviously not good for uh, staff. I always think of the staff as well and the patients. So Ipswich Hospital, I think, has been left a bit behind in the growth phase of the city. There was the major expansion 10 or 15 years ago, which introduced new beds. I think there's an attempt now to introduce new beds in the old uh, East Street Tower there, the, the, the ad, which was all admin people. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been moved down to the, the old council buildings now. It, it's going to take a big lick of money, I think, to catch up. We're way, way behind. I'll put the taxes up. That'll sort it. <laughs> no. yeah, uh, how on, many, out of the three of us, how many are private members of a, a, a medical fund? 
Well, I am. And yes, I, think, I, I have a I have a basic private cover that'll get me out of jail mm. for emergencies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, okay. That's mm. three out of three. We've got the top cover, costs us a fortune, and and that's kind of one of my bugbears is that I see people being moved across from the public system because it's overcrowded over by a long shot and moved into private and then that affects the people who are paying the big bucks annually to have a private health care fund which says you can have a bed and like Ashley mentioned there are people who can afford it but would rather have their overseas holiday annually instead of looking after their health mm. I, I've always thought and I've been corrected on this by uh, subject matter experts I've always thought that too many people turned up to emergency for stuff that they could go to a bulk billing GP for I've witnessed it True. With my, I have witnessed it with my own eyes but apparently that's not the primary reason that the emergency departments are clogged it's just sheer demand Ipswich has certainly been the place to be this month with the Festival of Horsepower. It was great to see it back. With even more events included, there was the Winter Nationals, the Ipswich Cup, the lesser-known two days of thunder at Queensland Raceway, which is this coming weekend, and the karting championships were held at the beginning of the month. First time pre-COVID where the crowds are back. What do you think, Walt? Oh, look, terrific, having a festival of horsepower. Uh, I love my cars, as you know. Mm. And uh, we had that um, parade go through whips, which the other month, which was brilliant. Hasn't been done for ages. They're bringing it back on a, a quarterly basis. So um, the more the merrier. And it, it's good for the town, too, because then people come out on the streets for things like that and yes. businesses flourish and this. And, and it does bring money into the city of Ipswich, having a, a festival of horsepower. You've got people who stay because because there's something on it, Willow Bank or wherever. Uh, or the, I mean, look at the the other horses, the real horsepower. Oh, the Ipswich Cup. Ipswich that's Cup. Uh, that huge. just keeps getting bigger. I, I, I left town that day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I left on the, the, the freeway instead of the, the road that normally takes you straight out of town because that was blocked. That was chockers. That's how popular that day has become post-COVID. And well, it was, was and it was first. nice to see some fine weather for the Ipswich Cup this year. Oh, brilliant day for it! Now I, I think uh, Ashley has got a a story for us, a not so sobering story I hear from uh, visiting the Ipswich Cup in years past. Oh yeah, <laughs> well back in the radio days, I had they said, "Can you compare the after party?" And it was the only gig I've ever worked at where they threw full cans at me. <laughs> I'm used to the empty cans, but full. That's, just, That's a waste of good beer. Exactly. That. By the way, yesterday was well. The weekend was the last, the the first time I haven't had to go and pick up kids from the Ipswich Cup. My that, kids uh, were that age, you know, where they go along. Yes, they've yes. all gone to this this age now where they're doing something different. But that was the first time. And um, look, it, of all those events there, the one that I didn't know about that I would have gone to see is that um, the the karting. Oh, yeah, that's great fun. It was a round of the uh, a big championship. The name just escapes me for the moment. But I'm hoping uh, they had a great weekend because I've been on that car track and it is good fun. Well, I, I'm impressed with anybody who can get in one of those carts. Like you're only, what, a centimetre off the ground. Mm. Not far. <laughs> and you're doing six, your backside 60 kilometres, well, between 60 kilometres an hour and 60 mile an hour, Right. <laughs> A centimetre off the ground. If you come off, you're in a hell of a mess. It's good yeah. fun and great to see the Willow Bank 
motorsport precinct really coming into its own with all these big events. It's been two years and COVID's been the reason why we haven't been able to have some of the events in the past. Let's do some reminiscing to finish off this month's Over the Back Fence, the Jim Gardner Pool. Mm-hmm. Well, you were reminiscing to me with me the other day on the telephone about the old Jim Gardner Pool. Yeah, look, I loved the Jim Gardner Pool back in the day. I remember swimming there on a very regular basis uh, during the warmer months, of course. And uh, I loved the deep end because you could practice your diving and get your lung capacity up for, for snorkeling and everything. I wasn't um, here when it was uh, – no, I was here as, as it was being closed. That's right. At the end of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it an extra deep, deep end? Oh, it was insane. 11 foot deep. 6 in the old language. Oh, yeah. wow. That is an extra deep, deep end. It was good. It really tested out the lung power. <laughs> I'd like to see that come back to Ipswich. It's funny. Every time it gets mentioned on the Lost Ipswich site on Facebook mm. – People go bananas and have terrific memories about the Jim Gardner pool and wish it was still part of Ipswich today. I could, I could give you some some memories about it. The um, the original guy who looked after the pool was a guy named Mickey Cannon who drove an old Thames van, and he not only was the pool caretaker, but he was also the guy who was training everybody. And because I was the captain of Railway Swimming Club up there, right, right. Yeah, years ago, and I still hold some records in that old pool, believe it or not. Um, it was just, it was, I spent every afternoon there and every morning there for about seven years of my life. Yeah, because it was just such a great pool. Yeah, and it was. it was 11 foot six, and there were some great people there. You know, I remember old Jim Gardner. There used to be a monument there, and I'm not too sure if it's still there. I think there is something next to the Coal Miners Memorial that uh, acknowledges Jim Gardner and the existence of the pool. And it was Mickey Cannon who gave me my first job hosing out the, uh, the, the, the change rooms there in, when I was around about 12 years old. Wow. Here's another one that'll get you. My sister and I are training under, uh, what was his name? I can't remember. Isn't that terrible? We were training there and it was, we were the only ones there on a Saturday morning except for this rather older guy who said he wanted to swim with us. And so we jumped in the water Right, swam the 50 metres, I came in, then he came in, then my sister came in, who was two years younger. My sister stood up and said, gee, not bad for an old guy. You know who that old guy was? Go on. John Knox. He would go up there and swim in that old pool from the old 4IP days. Yes. I was talking to John just the other day, and in a future episode, I'll do a bit of cross-promotion here. How about that? Uh, In a future episode of uh, Ipswich Today, we'll be acknowledging the 50th anniversary of the Box Flat disaster. Oh, which yes. is coming up towards the end of July. And John, we think, was one of the first, if not the first, newsman on the spot because he was living in Ipswich at the time, in North Ipswich, and he mm. was already up early to do the breakfast news and he felt the explosions at his house. He thought it was an earthquake. Yeah, we, uh, we'd we been out for a drive in my father's new car the day before and we came home and we were all exhausted and we slept through it, which was really funny. The whole town was talking about it and we were so exhausted we slept right through the bang. We were at Ebervale at the time. Wow, and you would have felt it there mm. for sure, but as mm. you say, slept yeah. through it. Well, that's coming up in a future episode. Back to the Jim Gardner pool. Well, you mm. were about to say before that the reason it closed, and I'm fairly, I'm 100% certain you're right, is it just developed such big cracks they just couldn't seal it. Uh, yeah, the council claimed there was uh, large cracks and forming leakage and they couldn't find the sources because they were all over the place. So they ended up just um, literally 
digging it in and the pool is no more to this day, which is a, a damn shame because uh, it was a real asset for the community. It's it's certainly, great. certainly was a beautiful location. Yeah, great mm. spot for a pool. That's yeah. right. great, yeah. And all the money now has uh, gone down. Well, not all the money, but uh, substantial money has gone into the Bundamba Swim Centre, bringing that up to speed. I know how to make people reminisce about that pool. <laughs> Go on. There was a great cafe and it had choo-choo bars. And we used to buy choo-choo bars and redskins, the lollies, when we were kids. Buy jingos and drumsticks. Mm. Very good. We'll do another reminiscing section in next month's Over the Back Fence. In the meantime, thank you, Walter. Oh, no worries. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, mate. You didn't know I could swim, did you? No. No, we know you float. <laughs> And a reminder, you will find handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.